Next on BYUSN, should we all view the BYU football ups and downs differently based on strength of opponent? Or is that just another excuse? And Cam Meller tells us which BYU football player should definitely go to the NFL draft and which should stay in school. School is cool, my friends. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Uh, Thursday, November 10th. I can't believe we're here, Jerem. We're 10 days into like November. here in Studio B? Oh, no, in November? No, no, we're 10 days into November. I was like, and we're typically here. there are only three games left. We think three games left in the BYU football season. It just is, is wild. There, yeah, there are three. Okay, we're here. Five what, what, and five. What are you saying? Utah Tech going to be lost? No, no. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I just, hey, technicalities. We're not the technicalities. We're not the same. BYU's winning that game. I like your optimism, though, that BYU's going to go and beat Utah Tech. It's not optimistic. <laughs> it's a fact. Uh, on today's show, should we look at the losing streak that BYU football had, had, which is nice to say, mm-hmm. differently based on the quality of some of those teams? We'll discuss. Can't wait for you to say no on uh, social. Cam Mellon from the Pro Football Network tells us about the pro prospects of BYU. We run the gamut with him. BYU men's soccer seeking another national championship. We'll chat with Nate Mumford and Sons and Asher Franks. And the Utah women's volleyball team gets a BYU surprise. Love those. But first, here are today's headlines. BYU linebacker Peyton Wilgar named a Burlesworth Trophy semifinalist. The Burlesworth Award is given annually to the most outstanding college football player in America who began his career as a walk-on. Wilgar is one of just 10 semifinalists. The finalists will be announced on November 15th, and the winner is named on December 5th. I just hope Peyton gets to play another game for Amen. BYU, hopefully a bowl game. Speaking of injuries, we're told BYU wide receiver Cody Epps will have surgery today. We've not been told the specifics of his injury. We have seen him in a sling. Those two tidbits would suggest it's probably something with the shoulder, but again, that's speculation on my part. West Coast Conference Soccer Awards are out. Leveni Vaca is the West Coast Conference Defender of the Year. Jamie Shepard, the Midfielder of the Year. First teamers, the two aforementioned uh, players, plus Brecken Mozingo, who had a spectacular season. Second teamers, the Lives, Olivia Smith and Olivia Wade. Freshman team, Izzy Stratton and Ali Fryer. Well-deserved. The Cougars host Utah Valley in the NCAA Tournament Friday, 8 Eastern, on ESPN+. Plus. Spence on the call and BYU Radio in the first round of the NCAA Tournament. More BYU women's soccer news. They signed four prep stars to the future of the program, including Tylee Pratt, a defender from Gilbert, Arizona, Ella Rustin, a defender from Tucson, Arizona, Ellie Ford, a midfielder and forward out of Timfew High School in Provo, Utah, and Hallie Dixon, who is also a mid-slash-forward from Carlsbad, California. Tonight, Tyler Algier and the Falcons take on Brady Christensen and the Panthers in Thursday Night Football. We're hoping there's more than 20 combined points in the game. Al Michaels is stoked, as is Kirk Herbstreet. Former BYU women's soccer star Ashley Hatch, as a member of the United States women's national team, will face Germany in a friendly today, 7 Eastern in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. The United States still ranked number one in the FIFA World Rankings, Germany number three in that same rundown. Baseball signs 11 players on signing day, including five pitchers. Stone Cushing, Matt Fox, Austin Lakeham, Maddox Peck, Max Stanley, outfielders Crew McChesney, brother of Jackson, Walker Sanders, no relation to Barry, Braden Mondo, Riker Scow, Grayson Schaefer, and Gavin Taylor. BYU women's volleyball also had a busy signing day. They had six to their 2023 class, including Addison Benson, an outside hitter out of Newberry Park, California. That's Luke's sister on the men's team. Love that. Selena Damuni, a setter out of Provo, Utah. Raiders sister. Mm-hmm. Brielle Kemivore. 
blocker out of Bristol, Virginia. Somebody else's sister. Mia Lee, another middle blocker from Vineyard, Utah, home of Jason Shepard. Mm. Claire Litter, uh, Little, rather, an outside hitter from Winchester, California, and Brielle Miller, a libero from Orem, Utah. Loaded. And that, here's the thing with women's volleyball. It's always like a top 15 class, so they're, they're legit. Man. Men's tennis signs Caden Hassler, speaking of legit, a five-star recruit at a pleasant grove. Hassler, 24th in the national recruiting rankings from USTA. Won an individual state title to doubles national championships as well. The signing day fun continues with gymnastics. They signed three, Maya Kirkham, Brinley Anderson, and Ava Jorgensen. I feel like we should congratulate all these athletes on their hard hey. work to get the right to sign with BYU. Yeah, uh, welcome to the fam. Notably, men's basketball and men's volleyball did not sign anybody. Okay, no roster spots? Too many return missionaries? <laughs> didn't, didn't sign anybody. <laughs> well, uh, BYU Sports Nation also did not sign anybody. Just FYI. Interesting. You know what uh, it's time for? We're not going to sign anybody. Well, let's not rule it out, but as of now. <laughs> we are going to rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. Five at five, BYU with a much-needed bye week after ten straight games. Two years in a row. Ten straight games, two years in a row, which was quickly pointed out by Elisa Tuiaki. We yep. brought that up on Coordinator's Corner. Yep. Said he's I, I never listen. dealt that's with true. anything like that in all of his football playing and coaching career. And that's over. BYU's not going to have to do that anymore. Maybe ten straight factors into our trending discussion today, as does strength of schedule. But a tweet to set the stage. This from at Brett Bryce, listener and follower of the program, said BYU just beat a Boise State team that some commentators were projecting as of last week for a New Year's Six bowl game. <laughs> Liberty beat Arkansas. Notre Dame destroyed Clemson, who was number four. Uh -huh. East Carolina beat number 25 UCF two weeks ago, then won at BYU, of course. Oregon is in the top ten. Time for some apologies from some BYU fans. Brett looks like Zach Hicken, by the way, Ooh. our friend. <laughs> Zach Hicken he looks like beard. Zach, yeah. <laughs> Knowing what we know about the BYU opponents and yeah. how the schedule is now shaken out. Oh, we're talking schedule? Do you view, <laughs> do you, Jerem, master of scheduling, view the four-game losing streak specifically, like the bottoming out, do yeah. you view that any differently? More like master of complaining about scheduling. Um, I, I do not. I, I think that BYU still could have won the Notre Dame game, Spence. I, kn I know that's a top 20 team now, according to the college football playoff, because Notre Dame, there are other six and three teams who have bad losses who aren't in that situation. Eh, the luster of the gold flex, I guess. Mm -hmm. Arkansas was winnable. If the offense has a few more conversions, defense shows up. Um, ECU is absolutely a winnable game. BYU should have won that game. So, no, I, I don't apologize for that. There are only two games where I just tip the hat and go, there was no way BYU was winning those yeah, games. Yeah, BYU got their butts kicked Oregon and Liberty. Yes. I, honestly, Liberty to me is underrated and undervalued nationally. I think because they're an independent, kind of a new player on the scene. And they'll probably go away if you, a little bit if you freeze leaves, right? Uh, there's some opportunities there for him. But, um, yeah, no, no, I don't apologize for that. Obviously, Notre Dame is better than we think. But they still lost to Marshall and Stanford. Marshall's five and four. 
Stanford's 3-6. and six. BYU could have and probably should have won that game. Unfortunately, Jaron's hurt, and unfortunately, BYU, as Aaron Roderick pointed out on Coordinator's Corner with you, doesn't have a third or fourth down back that can get a yard right now that BYU feels confident in. That's disappointing because ah, Chris Brooks, Lopini, Miles, banged up, yeah. but still, I think even if healthy, it's still a concern. Um, so that's an issue. So should have beaten Notre Dame. Not a bad loss, but should have beaten Notre Dame. Again, everyone's screaming at me this is a bad loss. It's not a bad loss. Notre uh, Dame's in the top Clearly, corner. now okay. people have changed I, their tune on Notre Dame. Didn't listen to me. They're looking more like the team we thought they would originally be. That they are who the we season. thought they were, and we let them off the hook. This team went into the season ranked number five. They're starting to look a little bit like that team we thought sure. they would be. Still should have won that game, I think. Although, agreed, agreed. Although, like, the although, offense was so bad in the first half and still had a shot. Arkansas could have been a win. Defense has got to show up, not give up 644. Got the ball, you're up four. In you got to beat ECU. So I'm saying during those four, BYU should have gone two and two. BYU, I would hope, would be seven and three right now. No, no worse than six and four. Five and five is like worst case scenario. Obviously, you lose all four. That's worst case scenario right there. I think what Brett Bryce is getting at specifically is, I can't believe BYU lost to Liberty and East Carolina. Terrible losses. Because they're not these name brand programs. But we're getting way past that stage. Like, I feel like parity in college football is at an all-time high. Parity in college sports is at an all-time high. The difference between like, if you take away the top four college football teams right now, like, the top four kind of are in a class of their own. But I feel like, you know, five and six, you go down to, like, 45 to 50. Like, ECU could challenge a lot of top ten teams. And Liberty would give a good game to a ton of top-tier teams. Yeah, and you know who's not in the top four for the first time in the college football playoff Alabama. era? And Clemson. And Clemson. Like, like neither of yes. them are in there for the first time. But the, the margin of error is, is getting much more thin and, and slim when you are trying to differentiate between these programs. Because certain programs can't just pay and, and buy these players under the table. It's out in the open with NIL Absol- now. Absolutely. It's a game changer. Still right? the under transfer the transfer portal but, has yeah. been a huge factor in impacting teams like Liberty and East yeah. Carolina. You look at their rosters, you're like, oh, man, they got some dudes that went to some big-time programs that then decided – uh, it's not for me. I'm not getting much playing time, or for whatever reason, NIL. I thought they all went to else. A&M. No, okay. <laughs> well, a lot they of them have gone to A&M and then transferred on, right? App State's like, yeah, yeah, they're great. But the transfer portal, NIL, there are a ton of reasons that have now made, that have increased parity in college football. I think it's good for the game. I love it. Sure. But it certainly makes winning football games a lot harder for a team like BYU. I think BYU should be seven and three. So I'm with you. I'm not ready to say, "Oh man, we need." To you apo- know what? We need yeah, to apologize. No. Like BYU, uh, no, I'm not. I'm not there. Even though BYU had to play ten straight games, this team is still good enough to be seven and three with a couple of adjustments. That's despite all the injuries. Convert some fourth down plays. Mm-hmm. Don't be six for twenty-one on fourth down conversions. And BYU's at worst six and four, if not seven and three, because you're thinking about plays they couldn't convert at critical junctures against ECU and Arkansas alone, changes those two games right there. Yes, it does. Like just, it's that fickle. It's it's crazy. That's why it will drive a, a sane man crazy. And BYU converted one of those with Puka Nakua. Don't forget that. Like, yes. The positive end of that, where it's like, what if BYU Finally. doesn't? Make, what if they rule against BYU again uh, on on the uh, replay? BYU could be in trouble. Let's look at a couple of numbers that sent, kind of tell a story here, okay? Opponent records since playing BYU. Mm. Ben Bagley dug this up this morning. Okay. 
Only South Florida, who stinks. They fired Jeff Scott. By far the worst team on BYU. Has a losing record since playing BYU. Look at these numbers. Oh, my gosh. Like Oregon undefeated. Amazing, right? Wyoming and Utah State are 3-1 and one since playing Brigham. Notre Dame's good. Arkansas split. They lost to Liberty at home, by the way. Uh, Liberty 1-0, and uh, East Carolina had a bye, and Boise State obviously was the last game. All these teams are continuing to win after they beat BYU. We didn't think this overall schedule would be this difficult, no. but it's been hard, and BYU's been banged up, and so that means BYU's not going to win nine-plus games in those seasons. Welcome to the Big 12 schedules, because this is what it's going to be like. You're going to have more ECUs than you think, if you will, okay. in the Big 12. Can I call an audible here? I'm sure. just going to say the opponent name that BYU has played thus far. Okay. And you tell me, worse Expected or better? Oh, than okay. preseason. Yes. Okay. Okay. So we'll start. We'll go chronologically. This is completely okay. unexpected. Yes. Okay. Let's go. USF. Worse. Agreed. They're worse than we thought they would be. Baylor. Uh, little worse. Okay. Interesting. Because I thought wins that, both of those games. I thought they'd compete for a Big Twelve title. They're not really in that. They're running. six and three. Still yeah. a good team, but a little bit worse. Yeah. They're not ranked. Right. Okay. Oregon. Way better. Wyoming. Uh, better, yeah. Utah State. Well, well, remember it said, oh, they lost to Illinois. Blah, blah. Illinois is good. Yeah. Wyoming 6-3. Illinois might win Wyoming's the division. Wyoming's bowl eligible. Their division. Okay. Utah State. Uh, uh, way worse. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame's a little worse than I thought. I thought Notre Dame like would be awesome. should probably have won that game. Yes. Okay. Well, when Marshall and Stanford win, I expect Come you to on. have a shot yes. there. Arkansas. Arkansas is way worse. So, again, we're getting to a yeah. lot. Man, worse than expected. There's no apologies necessary here. Like, preseason expectations, based on what we feel still now with these records, we think and, BYU should be better than 5-5. Five and five. Well, and it's not all just them. It's what BYU isn't as well, Spence. Healthy. Right? Like, like, when we, uh, you know, we're talking Monday night in the postgame about the Utah State men's basketball game. It was like, well, it's not all just what BYU didn't do. Idaho State did some things. Like, K.J. Jefferson was good. Rocket Sanders was good in that game. You know, Notre Dame, hey, ran the ball. Uh, you know, Drew Pine, better than we thought or whatever. Michael Mayer, I told you, was maybe the best player he was going to play all year. He was unbelievable. You know what I mean? Like, Moist State thought, thinks the same thing about Puka, by the way, um, on the other end of that. It, it happens. Okay. Interesting. Liberty and ECU were better than we thought they would be. Yes. Boise State's kind of what we thought they would be, right? Yeah. Yeah. Good but not great. Like, even. Yeah. No, so, I always expect Boise State to be a good so, team. So, I mean, it's five and five is like, okay. Yeah, it feels like a little bit still, even though the schedule's maybe a little bit more difficult. With Seven and three is the hope. Yes. We were, like playing for nine-ish BYU, wins. even yeah. in, in spite of all the injuries and all the junk that's gone on, we still think they could be seven and three. Yes. Still disappointing, right, by two games, okay? Uh, super ranking composite. So, again, there's seven – popular metrics out there. I just take those and get the average, and it tells me a story about where... We're talking about football power index, Sagarin rating. Yes. F plus, yes. Uh, SPI, all that. Okay. Bill Connolly's. Yep. So BYU 64. Just eh, little, middle of little the above. Pack. By definition, yeah. middle of the pack. Yeah. A um, little above it. Okay, Notre Dame's 22. That would have been a really good win. Oh, it was a bad loss. No, it's not. Get out of here. Arkansas, 36. Really good team. Good team. Liberty's 62. Metrics don't like Liberty. Because of strength of schedule outside of BYU-Arkansas. Yeah, and neither of those teams, well, two of those wins aren't, they're they're good in perception, but in reality, Arkansas is a really good win. BYU's 64. Okay. Um, ECU 51, better than people, better than you think, right? So, um, yeah, of those four in the losing streak, eh, you know, BYU should have, could have beat Notre Dame, but it's like, 
Liberty, the metrics tell us, no, BYU should have competed way better with and beat Liberty. I think if they play that game 10 times, BYU's maybe winning once, twice. Like, Liberty was on fire. You also forget the emotional element oh of this. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine BYU for, like, 20 years, 30 years, being like, we want to be like Notre Dame, and then you finally get to play them you at get Notre home. Dame at home. Like, wait, this is the thing we can't imagine, playing Notre Dame at home. Because <laughs> they wouldn't come here, right? We had to go to Vegas. And Notre Dame's limping and in we after were happily, a couple of losses. And we and happily went there, and then we unhappily didn't win the game, which was disappointing. But, yeah, uh, no, no apologies no. for – I'd like to apologize, actually, to absolutely no one, <laughs> as Conor McGregor would say. Yeah, the, the schedule, based on what we thought in the preseason, is kind of evening out to what we yeah. – may, maybe a little bit more difficult, but not enough to say, yeah, BYU should be 5-5. Five and five. I, no. I love that so much, too, the, the idea of we think one thing and it changes. Yes, we talk up here and we postulate. and we, That's the fun part of this is that it does not turn out like you think most often. All right, our voice of the nation and question of the day is this. Knowing what we do now about the BYU opponents in 2022, do you view the four-game losing streak – the bottoming out for BYU football, do you view that any differently? BYU fan Sam on Twitter says, quote, not much. It's not that BYU lost. It's how BYU lost. Sure. So many times BYU just didn't look competitive. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he's referencing Liberty, the yeah. first half against Notre Dame. Yeah. It does make it sting less knowing that BYU played high-quality opponents, but moral victories don't help much when no. BYU could have beaten ECU or Notre Dame yes. if they had played well the whole game. Well, or no, even for three no, quarters no, of the game. Not the whole game. You make one more play. You make two more plays. Yes. 25-20. Jaron Hall throws a sideline out to Puka Nakua, who makes that catch 99 out of 100 times. He happens to drop it. I'm telling it. you, if he catches that ball, BYU's going to take the lead and maybe win that game. Or conver- Notre Dame ends up going down and tacking on a field goal, right? Um, but, yeah, BYU goes for it on fourth down, doesn't get it, which has been the story of the season. Yes. Um, unfortunately. And then ECU, yeah. Uh, when you have the yeah, we've uh, that two failed fourth down conversions and then a third down that Mason Wake drops. Yeah, you don't take the 29-yard field goal. Da da da. Okay, coming up uh, tomorrow night, NCAA tournament action on BYU Radio, 8 Eastern Time. BYU taking on Utah Valley in women's soccer. Hey, the Wolverines beat BYU 4-2 in the regular season. Rematch in the tourney. Vengeance match. Pro Football Network's senior NFL draft director, Cam Meller, joins us hey. next. We're talking specific players. Is anybody from BYU that's good coming back for the Big 12? He'll tell us. This is BYU Sports Nation. We are live at Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Now time to bring in one of our longtime show friends. He is Cam Meller, and he is the NFL Draft Director at Pro Football Network. Cam, BYU football and this season can be summed up pretty much in two words, roller coaster. Uh, It's been really fun at times for fans, not so much during the four-game losing streak, but recently a nice win at Boise State. How would you sum up this BYU football season as a whole if it's not roller coaster? Uh, that's the best term for it, right? At this point, you, you you have highs, you have lows, and that's exactly what it is. Peaks, valleys, dips, and then, you know, you get over the cusp at a time here, and then maybe we're there. Uh, the, the win on the Smurf turf is uh, definitely that peak right now. So let's hope that that uh, continues to accelerate. But, no, a roller coaster is 
from the national perspective, that's all you can say it is really. You can you can try to put the you know the blame in certain places from the national eye. I'm, I'm sure I'd you know try my best to do such a thing, but no, it's um it's college football, and you know get there hot and cold week in and week out. It's just been unfortunately uh, some four weeks in a row. That's cold. It cooled off the national attention, but there's definitely some players that are peaking interest for the next level. And let's talk about those guys. Let's start with quarterback Jaron Hall. There have been, uh, you know, at the beginning of the season, at least first round rumblings. Where does he stand in your mind right now? He's one of the top senior single callers or, or elder class, elder statesmen, so to speak. You know, you have Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and then you get down to the seniors, the guys that we're going to see hearing, you know, go to the Shrine Bowl and the Senior Bowl this season, those guys. And you have Hendon Hooker, Bo Nick, Will Levis. And that next class right below it is Jaron Hall. It's Jaron Hall. There's a couple other guys sort of right around that range of Clayton Toon, Aiden O'Connell, uh, Jordan Travis from Florida State as well. So he's right in that range. Right now, I think that, that plugs him right into that uh, the meat of day three, early stages of day three. If he impresses that uh, whatever all-star game he does wind up going to, he can definitely vault himself back into day two, maybe fringe of that round three range right now. But I think that there's still the elite traits that uh, he's answered some questions to around this year. So to clarify, you still feel like Jaron Hall is an NFL draft quarterback, fourth, fifth round, and his stock is high enough that it, it would serve him well if he left early and did not come back for his senior year. Is that fair to say? Yes, unfortunately, right? I'm gonna, I'll check, make sure, yes. Uh, he probably needs to go out now. Um, enter the draft and he'll be you know, graduated and he'll be on the list for these these all-star games, these senior all-star games that he's allowed to go to. I think the two biggest questions for him, one of them was age. He was never going to be able to answer that because it's his age. That's what it is. Uh, it's the, the dependability. Can he play every game this year? Can he be a factor in every single game? And right now he's answered that. You know, he's he's been dinged up, but he's played. He's He's been Jaron Hall through every game so far this season. And that was probably the biggest knock on his stock for, you know, do you depend on a guy like him? Can you can he stay healthy for a full 17 game season in the NFL? And right now, so far this year, we've seen it. He's been healthy and, and there's been at times some elite flashes. So I do think that absolutely still a guy who can sneak into day two. But right now with uh, with the quarterback class where it is, he's a he's a day three rounds four through seven guy. And he'll turn 25 in March, so there's the age thing. Uh, Puka Nakua is a guy who continues to seemingly make great plays at BYU. What's his NFL stock look like? Uh, this is a prototypical wide receiver two or wide receiver three in the NFL. There's a stacked class of those guys right now, though, in, the, in this draft class and then next year's draft class as well. But very few have what I think Puka's best skill is, and it's this elite sort of wide receiver skill combination that very few also have. There's body control, there's hands. He understands coverage schemes, it seems to. So he knows when he's got a man on him that he's got a flashlight hands. He can't tip the defender's you know knowledge of, of the route or where he, the ball is going to be coming to him. So he's got late hands, they call it. And he's got, I mean, we saw it last week, right? The, the insane catch radius and every ball that's thrown anywhere near him. It's not 50-50 balls. They're more like 75-20 for Puka. And so healthy, we're seeing what he can do. And I think that that was a, another thing that he'll get knocked on this season. It's, it's unfortunate. There's nothing he can do about it, but the injuries, you know, you got to be able to depend on a receiver, uh, especially if you're going to draft them higher. And so again, I think Puka's in that day three as well range, but this is a guy who's got elite skills at the catch point and all around his, uh, his route running ability. Let's move to the offensive line. Blake Freeland, uh, according to a lot of experts, was in the, he was the most draftable guy that BYU had going into the season with Jaron Hall nipping at his heels. Has he maintained that position? And if not, who is the most draftable guy at BYU right now? To me, it was always Jaron, but I think 
think the safest pick was going to be Blake Freeland uh, at that point. This you, you can't coach size, as they say, and we all know that Blake's a mountain of a man. And so you can't coach that. And what we he's shown this year, and honestly for the past three years, is he's nimble on his feet for such a big guy. He's strong as well. And one of the big things that you guys know him well that I, I take a lot of my offensive line analysis from is Eric Mateos. And he said he's got some of the best balance through contact. And what that means is if he gets smashed by a defensive end who's rushing off the edge freely, you know, Blake's not going to lose his balance. And that's rare for a guy his size. And so to me, I still think that Blake is a fringe of that day one, round one pick. I know we've only got 31 picks this year, but uh, he's, he's secured himself this season with a high draft choice for an NFL team who's going to be needy for left tackle. How about Clark Barrington, a guy that's uh, started for a couple of years at left guard? A, a mauler of a man, right? This is another guy that if you want somebody who's going to dictate the pace and dictate the line of scrimmage, it's Clark Barrington to me. This is, it's, he's not quite in that day one, day two range for me because he's run blocking very well and pass protection. Maybe he's got to work on his lateral mobility left, left to right and side to side, but he had in balance as well. He's gritty. He's going to dictate the line of scrimmage. He's going to dominate as well. And if you're a, if a run first team with a zone blocking scheme that gets Clark to be able to move out, uh, from his left to right and get on the, on the move to second level hunt and, and find some linebackers. This is a, a guy who will be entrenched as a starter for 10 years. So of the four guys we've brought up, you're telling us that it doesn't look good for any of those four to come back and play for BYU in year one of the Big 12. Is that what we're getting at? Uh, yeah, I'm sorry to say that we've got to set our, so, our, our sights on someone else here. Uh, it's quarterbacking and catching balls and then uh, a new entire left side of the offensive line. The, the NFL draft is going to be calling them very soon. Cam Meller is a senior NFL draft director at Pro Football Network. He's on BYU Sports Nation. How about a guy like Isaac Rex, who has elite hands? He was on Mel Kuyper's draft board as the fifth most draftable BYU Cougar going into the season, but he hasn't been utilized a ton. Where do you stand with Isaac Rex? It's, you know, it's the same thing. You look at it for, can a quarterback really account for team wins? No. But are they going to be dinged for it? Yes. Is Isaac Rex accountable for the every play on offense? No. But is he going to be dinged for not being used? Yes, absolutely. So you have to look at what he's able to do per play, play in and play out. He blocks well. Uh, again, a physical guy there, but his best attribute is absolutely those strong hands and his size. If you can't coach size, again, it, it applies to tight ends as well. So to me, the, the probably the lack of top end athleticism in terms of speed to be able to separate from some of these linebackers in the NFL that are going to be running four fours. That'll probably hurt him a little bit. He's, he's in that range of the day three late flyer for a team that needs a tight end three and a, and a big old red zone threat. That's what he is at the next level. You've been really high on Peyton Wilgar for several years uh, earlier in the season, not playing his best ball, but also hampered by injuries. Uh, what have you seen of Peyton Wilgar this season? It's more of the same. He's a dominant athlete when he's on the field, a uh, better man off the field. So that's never going to change as well. He will win the hearts of GMs. I, I don't have to tell you guys and the, and the viewers and fans of the show as well. But to me, the injuries are going to hurt him and probably make him an undrafted free agent. But he will be a priority free agent. This is the guy who in healthy is a three down NFL linebacker. The coverage is incredibly well. The run fits that he's able to do his instincts as well. And just his nose for the football. Uh, I mean, this is a kid who knows football, breathes football, uh, loves football. And you can tell it with the way he plays, the instincts are off the charts. So to me, priority free agent who will make an NFL roster most likely and will have the, the fans and the beat reporters of that NFL team saying, hey, who's this guy? Who's this guy who keeps making plays and flashes in camp? Okay, so with probably five of the six, if not all six of those guys now seeking to move on and take that step, 
BYU moves into the Big 12. Huge question at quarterback following Jaron Hall. Certainly losing Puka Nakua hurts. Does BYU have the horses to compete in a much more difficult Big 12 conference next year? I, I, I hate to say it, but right now it does not quite look like they can compete. They'll win some games. They'll make some games competitive, but until we have more of those answers about who's going to be quarterbacking, how well that quarterback situation will be, and then how big this recruiting class coming in, and then the last few recruiting classes can be made ready, so to speak. There's a lot of shoes to fill, and there's a lot of four- and five-star kids that they're going to be going up against that have top-tier elite coaching staffs that have made them better, even from their high school days. And so I think that's the biggest difference from playing in as big of a gauntlet or as much of a gauntlet as, as BYU's out-of-conference independent schedule has been with Power 5 schools. It's every game, every week, essentially, once you reach that Big 12 schedule. So to me right now, on the surface, four-game losing streak and how they've been able to lose them and stay competitive, they will keep those games competitive in the Big 12. But right now, we need to see a little bit more of the uh, get your freshmen and get your younger, younger players ready to play before we uh, can compete too well in the Big 12. Uh, hello, transfer quarterback is probably what BYU is looking at uh, in the in the competition with Conover and Finnegan, of course. I did want to ask you about Max Tooley. Um, is he an NFL linebacker? He's had uh, two pick sixes and uh, a nice season, win healthy, but again, another injured guy. Yeah, I think his if coverage is king in the NFL right now, teams are going to be needing more. Passing as king, coverage becomes queen, essentially, but king on your defense. I I stand firmly on the pass rush versus coverage argument uh, every offseason that coverage is king uh, on defenses. And so to have linebackers and a, and a guy that you can drop down into the flats and be able to cover NFL running backs and tight ends, that's where Thule is right there. So I think right now, again, probably another undrafted guy, but a priority guy who who comes in in sub packages, dime packages, and is able to sort of take away the flats and take away the middle of the field and underneath routes. So he needs a good situation, but he has put himself firmly on the map for the NFL draft and as a priority for, priority for agent. All right, Cam, while we're making uh, projections in this hypothetical realm that we're conversing in, if it's not Max Tooley, who is the best BYU player that will be back or should be back next year? Maybe it's Kingsley Sumataia, maybe it's Connor Pay. Who, who's the guy that's the best player for BYU that you think for sure is going to be back next year? So correct me if I'm wrong, Keenan Peely, is he coming back right now if you have to say yes or no? Is he He has eligibility. Eligible? He has eligibility, but maybe are you, are you saying he should come back? Do you think it would help him if he did come back? <laughs> it would help him very much so if he came back, and I think he's the best player, and he becomes a potential guy who could sneak into first-round ability. I liken him to Jalen Petrie from Baylor last year, who Ooh. if you plug him in closer to the line of scrimmage and allow him to play freely, so to speak, sort of off the edge, let him blitz if he wants to, but let him drop down and take tight ends and running backs in coverage. I think he's got that ability of almost like a box safety, who, you know, not quite Derwin James, but Jalen Petrie's more of that impact that I think he can have. So I think Keenan Peely has this all-around elite ability that I think seeing more of him and seeing him healthy and seeing him in for sort of a featured role on defense could make his uh, draft stock soar next year. That's interesting because Peely was a safety in high school, backer at BYU, certainly got to get that knee going post-ACL. Hasn't been quite the same, but I like that. That's interesting. Yeah, uh, we're clipping that off and sending it uh, towards Keenan probably at some point. Come back, Keenan. Please, Keenan. Come back and show the ACL. Let's go, baby. Big 12 play, it's, it's a way to put your staple on, you know, right? You're already going into Jalen Petrie's conference, so to speak. Yep. So go, go do it and make yep. a name for yourself if you can do so. Hey, Cam, we appreciate the time. It's always great to catch up with you and for the great insight into all of these NFL hopefuls at BYU. 
Here's to BYU getting bowl eligible against Utah Tech. Here we go. That's all we need right now at this point, right? Cement the bowl game and then and ride high. We. I knew it, Cam. I knew it. You said we. I love it. <laughs> don't show. Don't show those in Salt Lake City. <laughs> you got it. Thanks, Cam. Uh, I, th- I think uh, I think Cam gets it right. Um, Jalen Petrie, interesting Baylor guy, right? Texans, really good rookie right now. Keenan's got to be a lot faster to be at the Petrie level, but maybe a year off the ACL, he discovers that in the offseason. Should he stay at BYU? We'll see. Yeah, it's an interesting conversation that, that uh, when you delve into the guys we think will be back for BYU next year. And, and we're going to find out next week, like who wants to be honored on Senior Day. It doesn't mean they don't have to uh you know leave they could come back but some just guys, in case but just in case yeah which is probably a guy's name out there the junior slash senior hi guy. i'm justin just in case 18th ranked byu women's volleyball is riding a five-game win streak it was four and then suddenly it became five they welcome former byu men's player turned saint mary's women's coach rob browning back to the smithfield house saturday three eastern on byu tv and which of the former cougars playing professional football will directly impact the scoreboard tonight. It's Thursday. Football's back. This is BYU Sports Nation. And football. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Make sure to follow us on the social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and the TikTok. We know there are emerging social media platforms. We will look into those mm-hmm. and perhaps add them to the uh, cadre of following accounts. We got you covered. This is BYU Sports Nation. He is Jeremiah Spencer. Let's whip it. Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. And media availability yesterday, Mark Pope was asked about Gonzaga possibly joining the Big 12. Roll it. Add the Zags and add the Celtics. I mean, why not? Like, how can we make this league any better? Like, it's ridiculous. But um, I love, you know, I mean, listen, this is what we signed up for. So why not make it the best league in the world by a hundred times? It's only 50 times better than every other league. So I'm all for it. Breaking news, he thinks it's 50 times better than every other league. Uh, would the Big 12 be harder with the Celtics? Uh, yes, clearly. That's two more guaranteed losses for every team probably. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the Celtics start uh, only their bottom five players against Baylor. But even then, the Celtics They'd probably still, still win that game. Win the league. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the Clearly. Big, yeah. I said I'm not necessarily in favor of it uh, when the report came out because I would like BYU to at least approximate the NCAA tournament by going 7-11 one year, but you got to win most, if not all, the non-con. So games. the Big 12 is to college basketball what the SEC is to college football. And the SEC is adding Texas and Oklahoma. Adding Gonzaga would, would, would be argue, that type of move. I would argue the Big 12 is better in basketball than the SEC is in football. Sure. Because, uh, I mean, because you have a bigger tournament, and so we can sort of assess that better. Okay, yeah. okay. Jimmer Fredette, speaking of, of basketball, high-level elite players, told us yesterday his current goal is to compete in the 2024 Olympic Games in Paris in three-on-three basketball. Very cool. Where would winning an Olympic medal rank among Jimmer's basketball accolades if he gets to that point? Hold up, hold up, hold up. The U.S. didn't even qualify for the last Olympics in three-on-three. So the U.S., has to qualify, well, and, and yeah. Jimmer has to make said team, Correct. and they have to win the gold. There's yes. a lot that has to happen. Yes. So if that happens, I, w- I would think that'd be his greatest accomplishment: a, a gold, gold medal gold in the Olympics, medal. better than winning the better than the winning the Mountain medal. West, better than winning the Player of the Year. No, Player of the Year in the NCAA is pretty cool. That's probably it. But uh, a gold medal in the Olympics, regardless of how it comes, that's pretty sweet, man. Just 
the appeal of Jimmer Fredette competing for Team USA. Yeah, that's cool. It would make the Olympics so compelling for BYU fans. A lot has to happen there, as I just pointed out, yes. though. Oh, it's no not question. a and given pointed, that they even make that the Olympics. Yeah, you've got to accumulate enough points as a team and accumulate enough and points as, an as individual. a player to make the team if you qualify for the Olympics. Yeah, that was interesting. Okay, who's more likely to score tonight? Ashley Atch with the USA women's soccer team against Germany or Tyler Algier with the Falcons against the Panthers? Well, the way that Ashley was scoring early in the season for the United States women's national team, I'd say her. But right now, it's Tyler Algier has kind of swung that, the pendulum swung toward him. He's going to be more involved. Even with Cordero Patterson, he had a nice game. Yeah, they're still Patterson's utilize, back. I think, they're right. still utilizing him a lot. So Tyler Algier is more likely tonight. I, I agree. Although it'd be fun if both did. That'd be sweet. Let's go. That's sweet. In lieu of the BYU Pacific four-footed women's volleyball match tonight, the Cougars have opted to do an eat and greet, Jerem. <laughs> I get it. Should there be more eat and greets with all BYU teams? I would happily forfeit hunger to go to more eat and greets with the teams. Are the teams paying for the food of the eat and greet? <laughs> of all the food? Or just food for the team? Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> That may You're giving 10% yeah, already? Yeah, looking yeah, for well, a little yeah, something? I'm just, yeah, I'm just I, I, saying. Plus a generous fast Just offer. saying. Okay, Lauren Gustin, new head coach Amber Whiting, the BYU women's basketball team are back in the Marriott Center for the home opener Saturday, 4 Eastern, taking on Montana State on the BYU TV app. Up next, speaking of soccer, how about a couple of men's soccer yeah. players? Nate Mumford and Asher Franks will join us to preview nationals. This is BYU Sports Nation. I'll wait for you. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live in Studio B. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with Jerem Jordan. Blue Pants Day. It is a Blue Pants Day for sure. Although I, I need some bright royals like that. Come on, I've nice, got two man. pair, okay, for those wondering. You share? Man, you, where'd you get those blue pants? You always got them. I got two pair. Okay. <laughs> of course you do. And like three pairs of white pants. It's how, it's how I roll, man. I only have one pair of white pants, but I only wear them somewhere else. Oh. <laughs> yeah. anyway. Nice. We welcome in now. And it's not often we have four of us together here yeah. in the Cougar yeah. Council yeah. room. <laughs> nice. But we do here with BYU Men's Soccer Standouts, Nate Mumford and Asher Franks. Welcome to BYU What's up, guys? Nation. Thanks, Thanks, guys. It's great to be here. Those, hey. Slick-looking uh, uh, hoodie zips right now. Thanks. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Oh, also. I would say the same for you, but I think that's BYU women's soccer. It, it is, but I wanted to rep because, uh, 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 sure, hey, Brandon sure. needs some men's sure. gear. Uh, Jer up? Yeah, Jeremy's pointing this out. That, that this yeah. is a subtle, not-so-subtle play to be like, hey, I'd really like that jacket. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to see if we can talk to Brandon. Yeah. We'll we'll up or something. yeah, thank you. Thank okay, you. now well, that great we've got you guys that on. out of the way, <laughs> yeah. okay, let's talk about a huge upcoming week for you as you head to Nationals. And, you know, for those that aren't aware, BYU men's soccer, I mean, wins national championships at the club level consistently. Yeah. Yes. And like I, I, dominating fashion. I kind of too. feel bad that like we kind of just expect you to dominate again, but how are you two approaching this uh, another run at nationals, another national title? And uh, uh, let's start with Asher. Okay. Yeah. Um, for me, this is something that we expect to do every year, and there is kind of that pressure. Um, yeah, we are a club team, but we are one of the best club teams in the nation. And so there's that pressure to push for it, national championship every year, sort of thing. And, you know, preparing for it. It's just been super fun. We love it. It's, like, competitive at that level. Um, sure, it might not be as competitive when we're playing in our region play. But once we go to nationals, it gets super competitive. 
and it's super fun and we love it. So it's something we look forward to every year. It's like the crowning moment yeah. for yeah. BYU men's soccer. And, yeah. and luckily you have a ton of time to rest between games. No, you don't. Uh, <laughs> you play like two games a day. It's crazy. So Nate, tell us about kind of the format in Round Rock, Texas. Yeah, so typically you'll play your first game at like 8 a.m. or so. Um, then you go home, go back to the hotel, rest. Next game, 4 p.m. afternoon-ish. If you advance out of your grouping, you'll then play the round of 16 and the quarterfinals the next day. So that's four games in two days. And then if you proceed to go to the championship, you play semis and the final the next day. So Six it's and three. Six and three. Six games, three games. <sighs> Wow. Are and there orange slices in between games? <laughs> oh my I wish, <laughs> wish they had juice boxes too. But. <laughs> How do you manage that physically? Um, do you have the depth to sustain that? Or is it like, hey, starters, you got to go the distance with a couple subs? I would say our team specifically has the greatest depth in the nation. Um, that way we can continue to sub our players, keep them fresh. And gratefully, we have resources of like compression boots and like ice baths. And so those are kind of things that we do in between games and like massage guns and stuff to keep our bodies at peak level. Wow. But we are often interchanging our team. So we have a great group of guys, 24, 25 on the roster, and we're constantly subbing, making changes. And there's not a lot of drop when someone subs in. So it's is it, nice. What are the sub rules? I should know. It's not FIFA then, I take it's it? It's not FIFA. Okay. It is. is it my, like NCA style? Mm -mm. Just unlimited subbing. Just yeah. unlimited seven? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. You can yeah, so. maintain the depth that way, though. Absolutely. That's nice. Okay. Who's your rival in this scenario of NCAA men's club soccer? And both of you can oh. answer. You still Maybe play you Utah. Yeah. Utah yeah. has one, but mm -hmm. you guys. Yeah. So who's, who's your main rival? Hmm. That's a tough question because, you know, it varies so much season to season and year to year. I'd say probably just with proximity, UVU. For me, honestly, those and games. And they have a club team as club well team, as the D1 As well team. as the, D, the yeah. men's team, yep. Um, they always give us a good game, and I always look forward to playing against them. I think they're a pretty good team, and yeah. The women's team agrees. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to play tomorrow yeah. in the NCAA tournament, right? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. The same yeah. for you, Asher, with Utah Valley? Um, in our region, I would also say probably UVU, just because it's fun and chippy game, and, and we get into it, and they, um, they love the passion of trying to get that win as well. And so I would say UVU, okay. but on a, like a national level, yeah, yeah. last year and years before, I, say, I would say Michigan has been a big team that has been like, their main focus is beating BYU, <laughs> honestly. Um, and Interesting. Yeah, except for they're not in it this year, actually, in the national tournament. Okay, so. well, that's too bad. Well, let, let me follow it up with this. Who's the toughest competition of the 24 teams at, that are going to this national tournament? Yeah. I, would, I would have agreed with Asher that it would have been Michigan. Um, Illinois actually knocked Michigan out in their regional play. So we'll be lined up to play against them in the quarterfinals. So I'd say Illinois is going to mm -hmm. be a tough game. Honestly, every game at Nationals is, is a dogfight. Yeah. It's brutal. It's a lot of fun, mm -hmm. but it's grueling. I've been following the program for a long time uh, to the point where I was calling the games in the PDL and I was silent reporter and the play-by-player. -play. I was even mm -hmm. the sports information director back in the day. Like, it's been awesome. So the PDL, Premier Development League, yep. which Ethan Horvath, probably the starting keeper for the U.S. in the World Cup, played in the PDL, which is crazy. It's like the fourth tier. Anyway, <laughs> it was too hard. But there was this middle ground because you guys are in this, you're not D1. You'd love to be, certainly. Absolutely. I would love for you to be one day. Perhaps the Big 12 money with admin soccer. Just a ploy out there, Tom. <laughs> Look into uh, it. <laughs> add, women's, uh, add beach women's volleyball and men's soccer. That's, I don't know if that logistically lines up. But anyway, you're in this <laughs> weird space where it's like, I, I don't want to say it's too easy to win the national championship. It's a challenge, but sometimes the score is like 7 nothing. I go, oh, what, what do we do with men's soccer here? 
because PDL is too hard. You're not D1, but you're doing the best you can in this space. What do you guys think? In my personal opinion, I think we can do, just do everything that we can to push ourselves to be D1. What can you do? Um, continue to be successful in the club division that we're in. Um, that's why we push so hard every year is to kind of prove ourselves. Say, hey, look at, it. Look at the results we're putting up. Look what we're doing at the national level in the club division. And even though people might look at that and say, it's club, it's not NCAA, there's not the real competition. Um, we go out and we still play NCAA teams um, in our spring season because we have the opportunity. You'll play to do the D1 team. Yeah, we have gotcha. opportunities to play D1 teams in the spring season. How do you do? And last year we went one and one against mm -hmm. D1 teams, so we beat um, UNLV. UNLV, and then we lost to Denver. And Denver's like a top ten team right now. Yeah, they're, they're very good. Currently ranked number ten, I believe. Well, D1. So not nation. just any division one no, team. No, fantastic division. Yeah. And on the field, you got to be competitive. Absolutely, it's yeah. probably more off the field stuff, is it not? It, it really like, is. Like yes. men's soccer would have to. BYU would choose to have to add. In fact, BYU hasn't added any for a long time. That took away um, wrestling and men's gymnastics, you know, yeah. 22 years ago or 21. So, yeah, who, who knows? But in the meantime, which is life, you got to just do what you can with what you got, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So now you have this tournament, and you hope to, uh, hope to win it again. Yeah. Hope yeah. to win it again. All the while, uh, I mean, you're, you're paying your way through school. You love the sport so much that you're just figuring it out. What's, no scholars, right? What's no life, scholars, what yeah. is life like for you uh, playing for a high-level club team with no scholarships? Nate, we'll start with you. Um, yeah, it's a great question. It honestly makes life really busy. Um, I'm a neuroscience major as well, taking 15 really hard STEM credits. That sounds hey. super, super hey. easy. Yeah, no. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> so it definitely, it definitely adds, you know, a challenge. You really have to manage your time well, but... One of the things I love most about the team is every guy that plays signs up doing it knowing they won't get a scholarship. Yeah. They do it because they love soccer. So it creates a really, really fun, really competitive, really positive atmosphere around the team. The team culture is fantastic. Just because everyone there like, signs up to do it because they love it, not because they're you know, being paid to do it or because they feel like they need to. What's life like for you? Um, I would say the same for as Nate almost. It's busy with school and soccer, just as normal athletes are, but then you also don't get the benefits of like nutritional plans and stuff. Um, getting that tuition paid for, so you have to find your money elsewhere. And so it is just like a busy schedule and is just mostly based on passion. Passion of the game, love of the game. And for our team, I'd say we have a great passion because we do push, even though it's busy, it's time consuming. We have had some players who have like, I just can't anymore with classes. And sometimes we even have players who have to miss practices because there's only classes that they have to take during our practice time. Um, and we get that, but th there's a, such a passion and a love for the game that we find a way, find a way to do it, even though it's a busy schedule. Wow, it's always those neuroscience majors that have to and miss practice. Pre right? by the way. <laughs> uh, actually, actually, yeah. yeah. I, it really is on a Wednesdays. Yeah, Wednesdays. Wednesdays. Bye. And we're getting out of the group stage in uh, the World Cup, are we not? We in are. The USA. Yes. Let's go. We're going to do it. Absolutely. Let's we're going to upset England. Yep. We'll beat Iran, and I think we'll beat Wales. Wales will beat us. Yeah. But Gareth we'll Bale's last goal scored will have been in the MLS. Yeah, yep. yes. it's a nice Not one. in the world. Wow. It's a nice one, right? Yeah. <laughs> hey, let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma. I don't know if you know how that works. You come on the show, you get some karma, you play at a high level. So we can't wait for you to be awesome. Heck yeah, thank Good you. Good luck in Round Rock. Thanks thank for coming in, so guys. Much. Thanks, Thanks for having, having us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You got it. What a sacrifice by these guys. <laughs> I know. No, I love men's soccer. I've been following these guys Incredible for a long time. Okay, BYUSN.com is your home for all BYU TV sports, games, shows, deep blues. Check it out, BYUSN.com. Up next, to rise and shout out to some straight rivalry disrespect. <laughs> we are here for it. Go Kooks. This it's is BYU so, Sports Nation. so good. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere.
This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. This program's on demand. Download the free BYU TV or BYU Radio app. Subscribe, rate, and review the podcast as well. Let's go back to our question of the day. Knowing what we all know about BYU's opponents this season, do you view the four-game losing streak any differently? No. Not really. Just frustration that BYU could have won some games that they yes. didn't win, right? Yeah. Our elite yeah. voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated comes in from Andrew Potter on Twitter who says, quote, yes, I view it differently, but only slightly. Mm. Are these teams better than we all thought? Yes, in some cases, as we pointed out. Yeah. But we should have still at least split those four losses. Amen. Right? That was That's exactly the, uh, what you said. Well, as we call in the biz, the A block. Uh, incarnate there. BYU's lack of discipline in those games and execution lost those games. Like, you could have gone 2-2 two and two in the four losses. Ab- I mean, just a few Sitting plays. here 7-3. and three. We're not overly uh, hurt. You're still playing for still 10. Still pushing for 10 and feeling good about getting to 10 because you got Utah Tech and Stanford. It's like, okay, you're going to yeah. have 9. Yeah. Win a bowl game, you get Losing 4 in a row, season. never in the no. cards, right? Nope. Even in the Big 12, I don't expect BYU to lose 4 in a row. Yeah, hopefully... There's none of that bottoming out where you just yeah. can't get no, over the No, if you hump. expect to lose four in a row, you stink. Aye, aye, aye. We won't expect that ever here. Today's oh, Rise hopefully. and Shoutouts presented by Mountain America. <laughs> this is awesome. The official credit union of BYU Athletics. Uh, <laughs> tweet in from at Chuck B. Ute who yep, says, yep. Fire the bus company. And that's because Utah's volleyball team has a Coogs bus. A Coogs bus. Shout out to that company. Show up to transport them wherever they're okay. going. Okay, conspiracy theory. It was Mark Pope. Because Chris Burgess left to go to Utah. His daughter plays for Utah women's volleyball. Conspiracy theory is that Mark Pope connected that. Co- I'm just kidding. But that's... Super funny. I, I love it. I just And the TikTok just says, holy disrespect. <laughs> holy disrespect. <laughs> oh, you love about, to see it. You really not do. not wanting to get on that hype bus. Dude, can oh, you imagine man. just a ute bus rolling up to the Smithfield house? Heather Olmstead would not get nope. on that bus, We're not dude. getting on that bus. There's no way. <laughs> <laughs> really funny. Our thanks to today's guests, Cam Meller, Nate Mumford, and Asher Franks. Sorry to Dennis Pitta. We ran out of time. For Jerem Jordan, I'm Spencer Linton. Shout out to Chris Watkins in the, you know, thinking of BYU men's soccer. Yep. See you tomorrow on BYU Sports Station. Go Cougs. Fire the bus company. <laughs> <laughs>